theyeshiva.net. Welcome. We began Monday morning this week, the Mimer of the Baal Hatanya of the Alter Rebbe and Lukudah Torah Parshas Bahar, the first Mimer Kisavoya Wala Aretz, Veshav Saha Aretz Shabbos Lashem. We're going to continue now, and Be'ezer Hashem, tomorrow morning there'll also be a class, but it's going to begin a half an hour later, which means not 7.30, but 8 a.m., that's New York time. So, if you didn't open your source sheets, please open your source sheets on the yeshiva.net. You could see this class, Thursday class, Lakuta Toyota Parshas Bahar. <clears throat> and you have the source sheets either on top of the video, on the right side, or below the video, you can download them. The Alter Rebbe, in the beginning of the Maimer, began to explore the verse in the Song of Songs, Shir Hashirim Samasi. My beloved one is knocking on the door, open up the door for me, my sister, my wife, my lo- my dove, my twin, and he explains not just open up the door for me, my sister. Pischili, open up the door for me, inside of your heart, open up, create an opening, so that we should be able to experience each other as achaisi, rayasi, enasi, samasi. Until you don't create that opening, that relationship is always present, but it could be concealed, it can be relegated to the subconscious sellers of a person's psyche. Pischili, Create an opening so that this relationship in the state of achaisi should be revealed. What is achaisi? Achaisi comes from the word connection. Like the Gemara Ma'id Katan Chavav, Ichi Alexandris and Alexandria Nat. Two things that are separate, but through the Nat, they're fused into one. And this is the brother of a the sibling. It's two separate people, and they remain two separate people. And they go on to build their own families and leave their home. But ultimately, as he says, there is an innate and intrinsic bond and connection that could never be severed. It could be concealed. It can be revealed. It can be replaced with various negative emotions. But the relationship is present. Even if the relationship is not positive or it's completely concealed, but it's still there. It's innate. It's part of the... It's a familial connection. It's part of the biological structure of a person. You're, you're part of me. I'm part of you. <laughs> I may like it. I may not like it. We're part of each other. A bruder is a bruder, as they say. A brother is a brother. In Avedis Hashem, what does this mean? The Alter Rebbe says that every neshama is a chelik elikami mal mamish. It's a part of Hashem, so to speak. It's a piece of Hashem. So even the way it comes down into the world, where it becomes somewhat of a yesh, an entity, and it's enclosed in a body, in an animal soul, that vacus, that connection is eternal. You're forever, ever one with God. That's why the last class we titled, You're Forever One with God. The question is, how much I relate to this consciously. So he says, the tzaddik is that Jew for whom this is reality. It's a life of absolute alignment. Alignment with his or her deepest inner self. So, not only his behaviors or her behaviors, but their emotions, experiences, sensations are all a reflection of that alignment. And there is a constant connection and a longing for connection and a love and a relationship that is always there. In David HaMelech's words, Im al middle of the night, I wake up and I'm thinking about you. That's a relationship that's called Emes Lamitai. There's another relationship that's called Tzvas Emes. And Tzvas Emes means I may not always be aligned in an actively conscious way, but I always have the awareness of that alignment and the ability to tune into it through work. That's called Tzvas Emes. In Tanya, that's the distinction between the Benini and the Tzaddik. The Tzaddik is fully aligned on every level with every facet of his being or her being. The Benini is aligned in terms of behavior. My thoughts, my active thoughts and words and actions are aligned with my inner divinity, with my inner divine oneness, which is my truest self because it's the truest self of all existence. 
but within my emotions and feelings and experiences, the Benini may struggle. And that's why the Alter Rebbe writes in Tanya in chapter 14 and in other places, that midas ha-benini, he midas kol adam. For translation, tzaddik is usually translated as a righteous person, and benini is an intermediary person. But in Tanya, the tzaddik is really the the, the ultimate person, the, the ideal human being who has fully transformed himself, like a superman. And tzaddik, and benini is the possible person. Because tzaddik is somebody who's fully aligned. The alignment with the divine oneness is a constant. And it permeates every facet of his or her being. The benini is an incredible person because the benini is always aligned in terms of thoughts, words, and actions. In other words, the benini may experience anger and jealousy, and frustration, and animosity, and a host of many other toxic, or disturbing, or promiscuous, or immoral inclinations, proclivities, instincts, feelings, sensations, experiences, emotions. And the, But the baby is aware that that takes him or her away from his alignment, which is always our translation for Bittal. But he or she can tune in to the fact that there is a space in me that is always aligned, and I want to be connected to it, and that's why I'm going to behave in a way that reflects it. This is powerful, powerful stuff. That's the power of the Benini. Then there's a Russia in Tanya. The Russia in Tanya is not a weak, wicked person, could be also be a wicked person, but is a weak person, somebody that allows the disalignment to dominate behavior as well, whether it's thoughts or words or actions. But generally here he's talking about the MS Lamitai model and the Svas MS model. Now we continue inside. We're still in the first paragraph. I hope by now you had time to open your source sheets. Let me just tell you where we're holding. We're still in Sif Aleph, getting close to Sif Bays. So we're on page Mem, column 1, or 79, if you're using your source sheets. If you have a safer, it's Lakuta Toyota Bahar, page 79, or Mem, column 1. And if you go stroll down the page, you see this chapter Bayes, but we are a few lines before Bayes. We are on the line that begins Tzedakah, Schar, Emes, which ends the brackets. That's like the middle of the page. Page 79, column 1, line starts, Taka, we're holding with the words, Vahasiba. Says the Alter Rebbe, Vahasiba, Shemeinea, Sa'av, Milikanes, La'imik, Nukudas, Alev, Mamish. Now the next piece I have to tell you, I once gave a shear on this, <coughs> and somebody was sitting there, <laughs> somebody was sitting there, somebody who deals a lot <coughs> in the field of Therapy and addic- especially addiction and recovery. He's a counselor, a rabbi and a counselor. And, uh, he says that, he tells me, the altar tells me after the class, this mimer was set Tovkov Samach. Tovkov Samach is 1800, exactly 1800. That's 221 years ago. <laughs> to be, pers- to be exact, 221 years ago. It's a long time. He says, he tells me, do you think that the people who heard this at the time understood the power of these following words the way we can understand them today? He says, I'm not sure. I said, what do you mean? He says, you have here in a few lines some of the most fundamental truths that we know today about addiction and recovery. And I was really very impressed because how he picked up in the words, sometimes people learn my marim, they learn chesidus, and the words completely remain, they remain completely abstract. So even if they're potent, and they even have some emotional appeal because it's exciting and you see, you feel the enthusiasm, but to really apply it in a personal and internalized way to a person's daily life is the ultimate goal and objective, because without that, we're really missing the soul of it. So it was made to, 
This was written and said to change lives, not just to give another presentation and another shi'a. So let's see his words. What is it that prevents this love that is always there, you can't obliterate it, from entering the oimek, the depth of nekudas halev mamash, of the core of the human heart in the most powerful way. In other words, he said before, that you have the tzaddik who's fully aligned and therefore this love, this relationship has really touched and permeated his or her essence. It's not circumstantial anymore. It's emes lamita. It's really true. It's who this person is. But you have other people in different states. Tzvas emes. And sometimes it's less than tzvas emes. So the question is, what is it? If this is real, as he said in the opening of the Maimer, in the beginning of chapter 1, that this is real, as he said in the previous page, that a person's longing their entire life is to be one with Ein Saif. That the Neshama, because of its source, is meyuchad betachlis hayichud ba'erin Saif baruch mamash. It's unified with the ultimate unity, with the light of infinity, blessed be he. And even the way it comes down into this world, and it could be eclipsed, it could be concealed, nonetheless, this remains who it is. So the Alter Rebbe wants to know, what's the reason? What blocks? What's the Maineya? Maineya means, what's the blockage? What stops this Ava of really entering and taking root into the core of a person's heart, becoming completely one with them? And that they're not, they can't separate from it. Kihine, the answer is, behold, avazu, this very love, listen to his words, milubeshes, is tucked in. It's closed, it's enclosed. Like when you put on a lavush, you put on a garment, you're now eclipsed by the garment. Yeah, I'm wearing now a suit. So this love has clothes. It dresses itself up in something. Umusteres, and it becomes hidden in this garment. In what? In the energy that's craving material pursuits, material things. Which this power of craving, this craving, comes from another soul that we have, from the biological soul. The soul that gives us biological vitality, it vivifies the body. This is called nefesh achiyunis, a soul that exists within every single living creature, every single living animal. It's called nefesh abahamis, or sometimes nefesh achiyunis. The soul that gives us chayus, chiyunius, it gives us life, vitality. This soul is alive, and this soul craves, and this soul craves material pursuits, and in that is enclosed this love, as he's going to explain. Shasharsha, the source of this biological soul is Pchinez Gasus Haruach Mishkedechivya. In the Zoyer, it's called the skin of the snake. Chivya is the snake. Mishcha is the Ur, the Ur Hanachash, the skin of the snake. It says Hashem dressed up Adam and Chava after they ate from the tree. Hashem created, he formed, Kostnasar means tunics of leather, of oil, of skin of an animal, and he dressed them up. It's not just physically that Adam and Chava got dressed up in leather, beautiful leather clothings, beautiful leather clothes, because they felt embarrassed about not having garments, as the Pasuk says in Bereshus. It's also spiritually that Adam and Chava now were in a lavush. Their essence, their core self, which is a reflection of infinity, was now enclosed in the air. This is called Mishcha de Chivya, the skin of the snake, which he says is Pchinas Gasus Aruach. Gasus Aruach is usually translated as arrogance, but the appropriate translation here is a sense of separateness. As it says in Tanya 22, that all arrogance, all ego, is rooted in the fact that I feel separate. I think that I'm independent, I'm detached. 
from the source. And therefore, I have to inflate myself to give myself substance. Rabbi Adin Evan Yisrael, Rabbi Adin Steinsaltz once said, he said, frogs have the ability, simply the biological ability that's in, embedded in them, to inflate themselves and to appear much larger than they are. Elephants don't have that ability. Why? So Rabbi Adin, in his inimitable style, said, because elephants don't need to inflate themselves. Their size is impressive enough. Their size speaks for itself. But the frog is given this capacity to inflate itself because it needs to inflate itself in order to show that it's impressive, it's dignified, it's powerful, it's dominant. Don't mess. You ever see how, how the peacock, the peacock does it as well? So he says there's two types of people. There are frogs. Rabbi Adin. Rabbi Adin said there's two types. There's frogs and there's elephants. There's those who have to inflate themselves. They have to talk about themselves. They have to show off because they feel like frogs. And then there are elephants. It's not what we mean when we say it's the elephant in the room. But that's the concept. So Gasus Haruach is the bloating. Gasus is the coarseness of Ruach of the spirit, which is the sense of separateness. When I don't feel I'm one with infinity, so I'm struggling for some form of validation, some form of existence, that's the core of arrogance. I don't feel my holiness. I don't feel that I'm a reflection of divine holiness. So all these cravings to the material things, he says, comes from this soul, which is rooted in a sense of separateness, even though it's also really divine. Because everything is vivified by the divine energy. But we're talking about in terms of its consciousness, how it experiences itself. And the skin of the snake, so to speak, covers over, it hovers over, and it conceals the power and the state of this love that we're talking about, the love that exists in every soul for which Hashem is called, because of which Hashem is called Achosi, my sister, my sibling, we're always connected. Now, the Yeshba Madregis Shainas. But there's many different levels. Kama mine levushim. Many different types of levushim. In other words, it's not, there's one mahalach, there's one, 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 one concealment. There's many different types of levushim here. What do we mean? So he starts explaining. Hagadal, hakotan lefi kotna. Vahagadal lefi gaidal malasai. You have to know who you are. There's a person who's less sensitive. There's a person who's more sensitive. There are many layers of garments. There's a garment that's dense and thick. There's a garment that's very thin and very subtle. For a person who's less sensitive, he calls him a cotton. Somebody who's less spiritually aware and sensitive, they can tolerate. They can tolerate a thin garment. They may not be able to tolerate a thick cover-up, but a small cover-up, they're fine. But he says, Somebody who has a deeper sensitivity, deeper spiritual acumen, this person will need to remove even the slightest cover-ups, the slightest garments that come from Gaza Saruch, that come from that desperate need to retain my independence from the vine. Because Chazal said, God says, I can't be under the same roof like an arrogant person. I can't live with ego. And what is ego? Ego is the ultimate insecurity. Because what is ego? Ego is easing God out. That's what it stands for. It's basically trying to take over the narrative, trying to be in control, rather than allowing myself to be a conduit for oneness. Rather than seeing myself as an ambassador of infinity in this world, I desperately try to distract myself and establish myself as a separate person. And that's why all ego is rooted in the deepest form of insecurity. I feel that I really don't exist. And therefore I need to substitute that 
with a false sense of haughtiness and arrogance and uh, boastfulness, which we call gaiva or, or gasus aruach. And when somebody also suffers from terrible insecurity and fear, it's the same concept. It's, I feel I'm a nobody. What's the truth? The truth is that you're an expression of the divine. You are a reflection of divine infinity. And that love and that connection to Hashem is always, always present. But it's concealed in the various material cravings that I have. That power to crave all those physical things conceals within itself this intense love. So what's your job? You don't have to invent the love, but you have to remove the blockages. You have to open up the lid. It's like there's a wall, and you want to create a hole in the wall, because the wall is separating. It's not allowing you to see the person on the other side, or it's not allowing the light to come in. So what do you do? So you have to cut inside the wall. Sometimes you have to break a part of the wall until an empty space is created. The same is true every person who wants that this love should be etched in his heart. What do we mean etched in his heart? That the love should enter into the deepest core of his heart. And it should permeate further and further and touch your essence. Touching the depth of your heart literally. To the point that the person's soul longs to be fully aligned with the truth. For this, I have to get through all the blockages. And this is the concept we talk about in Tehillim and in many sources about Lev Nishbar, a broken heart. Or Ruach Nishbaro, a broken spirit. This is in the 51st chapter of Psalms. Lev Nishbar Venitka Elekim Sivza. Ruach Nishbaro, Yosa has an expression. What does this mean? Some people erroneously understand it to mean that it's the concept of breaking your heart. You have to break somebody's heart. So how do you break somebody's heart? How do you break somebody's heart? So sometimes people think it means you denigrate yourself, you denigrate somebody else, you put yourself down. I'm going to break you. I'm going to break you to pieces. What Dalter Rebbe is teaching us here is, no, Lev Nishbar means sometimes my heart is blocking the light. The light is not coming in. So I have to create a crack or many cracks in order to allow the light to come in. That's the Lev Nishbar. A person has an incredible, incredible spiritual, a person has an incredible relationship with the divine. That's a, the profoundest spiritual connection that's, that's possible. But it's blocked. It's blocked by many garments, by many, by sackcloth sometimes that completely eclipse it. So I have to get, get rid of those blockages and get to that space in me. This power of craving the physical things is rooted in this desire to be separate and in the belief that I am separate. I should direct my heart to him. On this the sages say, the Medrash says, God says, open up for me an opening that is the size of the is the point of the needle. That's all I want. Open up a door, open up an opening like the point of a needle. Vani and I'll respond and open up for you an opening that's large as the door of the ulam, which was the corridor, the foyer before entering into the heichel, into entering into the inner sanctuary of the Beis Hamikdash. Ki The Gemara says that somebody comes to be cleansed. Yumalamet hey, they help him. What does it mean? They help him. La hasir memenu kol pchinesim adregas gasas aruach to help him remove 
all the layers of haughtiness and separateness, and to elevate him higher and higher to the great heights, through this this love will shine in the core of the Jewish heart, until the very essence of the soul becomes fully subsumed in the infinity, just like a flame, that ultimately you're kindling and then it rises on its own. The soul becomes a shalheves to become subsumed and consumed and completely connected to the divine source, to the divine light. Va'ara is batalas, and the earthiness becomes subsumed. And this is what we mean by the state of, by the level of achaisi. And from here you could come to the next stage, which is Rayasi, which is chapter two of the Maimer. First is my sister Achaisi, then comes Rayasi. But this till now is the discussion of Achaisi. The word somebody asked, the word Ara is Batalas is an expression in Zoya. <coughs> which means the earth the earth is bottle. Like a Shmita we say the earth is Ara is Batalas, the earth is like nullified in the sense the earth ceases to function. It's not, it's not being worked and being planted. But spiritually, it means that um, the out of the earthiness of a person experiences bittal, experiences oneness, alignment. What is the Alter Rebbe teaching us here? So, to put it in simple words, at least one application. There's many ways you can apply this, but just to put it in, to apply it in one very simple and very relevant way. And here I come to the world of addiction because over here we see it in the most blatant sense. An addict, and as we'll soon see, everybody of us suffers from this because addiction is a universal plight that begins with birth. But I'll explain what I'm saying in a moment. (sighs) Is a person is drawn to many different things which basically the Alter Rebbe is saying are distractions. I'm trying to numb my pain. I'm trying to fill my void. There's a void here. And why is there a void? There's a void because what I'm really seeking is spiritual connection. What I'm really seeking is genuine relationships. It's so hard for a person to understand this until he understands it. Because no, I'm looking for the the next bottle. I'm looking for the next website. I'm looking for the next club. I'm looking for the next relationship. I'm looking for the next casino. I'm looking for the next cookie. I'm looking for the next dollar. Whatever the addiction is, that's what I'm looking for. No. What you're really looking for is, you're looking for a very deep spiritual connection. Or to put it in real sharp words, you're looking to cease to be. You want to escape your gasasaruach, which is self-consciousness. You want to go away from your self-consciousness. You want to stop feeling yourself. It's too painful. In other words, you're really looking to go back to who you are. Who are you? You're a chelik eleikam imal mamash. You're part of the whole. You want to be part of the whole. That's who you want to be. You're looking for connection. That's who you're looking for. You're looking for connection. Your whole life you're looking for connection. You're looking for attachment. Today they call it the attachment theory. The attachment theory, this is the ultimate attachment theory. The world is based on attachment. It's based on connection. That's what you're looking for. That's what I'm looking for. I'm not aware of how deeply I'm looking for it. I'm not, I may not even be aware that this exists inside of me. Or I may don't, I may not feel I'm capable of this. So in the meantime, I'm, running away to all types of things that could give me temporary comfort. Comes the Alter Rebbe and says, when you're running to all those things, deep down inside the craving to your addictions is what? Is the avatelikus, is a spiritual longing. You're harnessing it the wrong way. You're directing it and channeling it in things that are not going to help you. But deep down in this longing... This longing, these cravings, these addictions, these things you're mashuga about, and you don't stop thinking about, they're really only a garment. They're the facade. They're a cover-up. 
You know what's inside of them? Inside of them is your ain't saif, your infinity, your spirituality. Your spiritual longing to be part of ain't saif. Because that's who you are. That's what your divine soul is. Yeah, the animal soul, the biological soul, is not so aware naturally of this. And it wants to live. It wants to be comfortable. So what's the language? The language is whatever is easily accessible. Whatever is going to make me feel good right now, right, right, right here, right now. In a microwave, they call it the microwave generation. I want it hot and I want it fast. And of course, tomorrow I need more because the void is still there. But because I'm not really looking for it, it's just representing to me something that's going to give me a temporary fix and a temporary high. Therefore, it's never enough. Because it's not it. It's not what I'm looking for. It's only a cover-up. It's a facade for a much deeper yearning, for a much deeper aspiration. That's what I need. So what's the genesis of recovery? When a person realizes you're never going to get rid of your spiritual sensitivities. You can drink as much as you want. You can gamble as much as you want. You can go as many websites as you want. You can binge as much as you want. You can go visit promiscuous places as much as you want. You can knock yourself out day in and day out and live the most uninhibited, crazy, insane life following and fulfilling every instinct. So if it garnished health and it's not going to help, it's not what you're looking for. You're looking for God. You're looking for yourself. You're searching for your core essence. You're searching for your infinity. You're a mamish. That's what you need. And you're never, nothing that you do is ever going to take you away from that space because that's who you are. <laughs> I can't be who I am not. I can make believe I am who I'm not, but it's not going to last. It's going to come to haunt me ultimately. So my choice is not whether to get rid of my spiritual sensitivity or not. That's not a choice. My choice is only if I'm going to eclipse my spiritual sensitivity and dress it up and keep it trapped in many different types of distractions that I will pursue just to fill the void temporarily. As addicts sometimes say, I'll do anything, but get me out of myself, get me out of my self-consciousness, get me out of my gasus haruach. You're looking to get out of your gasus haruach. You're looking to get out of your self-consciousness. Now here we come to the next step, the Alter Rebbe says. If you're more spiritually sensitive, it becomes harder. Because even the smallest levushim drive you crazy. Somebody who's not so sensitive, he may be able to tolerate some cover-ups. But somebody who's more spiritual sensitive, spiritually sensitive, they, meet, they need the oneness in a much more profound way. They need the transparency in a much more profound way. They need the honesty in a much more acute way. They can't tolerate any lies, any deception, any hypocrisy, any falsehood, any alienation, any sense of self that's separate. Even a lavush dak, and if you're really spiritually sensitive, even the smallest, tiniest lavush drive you crazy. And you see this today. That the people who can't tolerate even the smallest cover-ups and therefore go to the furthest extremes and mess themselves up and destroy themselves. It's all coming because they have a deeper sensitivity, not a smaller sensitivity. And this sensitivity is not necessarily coming from a major trauma that happened in their life. That can happen as well. But sometimes it's just existence. Existence itself is traumatizing because existence itself is based on the tzimtzum, which means it's based on a void, which means it's based on separateness. It's based on the perception of separateness. Oilam comes from the word halam, concealment. So facing life itself is difficult because you're facing a void. You're facing a sense of separateness and you're traumatized by it. Every soul that comes down into this world experiences trauma. We speak about dealing with trauma. Dealing with trauma is not just a person who was traumatized because of horrible events that happened to them in their life, abuse or dysfunction in families, verbal, emotional, sexual, etc. Of course, that too. There's also trauma that's accumulative over years. It's not like an identifiable case. Somebody traumatized, you hit a bat over your head. Sometimes it's just a trauma of how you developed within a certain home or a certain environment. Sometimes trauma has to do with your genes, epigenetics, and it's passed on from other generations. And sometimes the trauma comes from existence itself. 
They speak today about birth trauma, right? Just that passage through that canal could be very traumatizing for a fetus. And according to Chassidus and Kabbalah, that's what birth is. Birth is, you talk about going through the canal, what about the soul going through the canal, the birth canal? You know what type of symptom that is for the soul? And the sense, so somebody who's not so sensitive, their soul is not so sensitive, okay, they become comfortable in this world. But somebody who's more sensitive, facing separateness is traumatizing. Just the differentiation of the whole is the greatest crisis of existence. And what's the point of life? To confront that and to bring light into that space and to say that despite everything, we can be whole. Valtreb has an incredible taich in many Maimorim and also in Tanya, Geris HaKadosh Tess. Mi Who is like your nation, Israel? One nation on earth. So literally, we say Shabbos Mincha. So literally it's translated, who's like your nation, Yisrael, Goy Echad, it's one nation on earth, like a unique nation, Goy Echad, like one unique, Amon says, Yeshnei Am Echad, you know, there's a nation that's unique, that stands apart. On earth, we live on earth, but we stand apart. Comes Dalte Rebbe and says, no, this is an explanation, not just a description. Goy Echad Ba'aretz describes our uniqueness. This is a Goy Echad Ba'aretz, Shegam Be'inyanei Eretz, Lo'yafridu Me'echad Emes Chas V'Shalom. The uniqueness of, of B'nai Yisrael, of the Jew is, that Goy Echad Ba'aretz, that even in Eretz, he or she holds on to the Echad. That even in Eretz, in Eretz, you know, it never separates from the Echad. The Lubavitch Rebbe once shared a story that he heard from his father-in-law, that there was a chassid of the Balatanya, chassid of the Alter Rebbe, who used to daven and daven every day. He davened for many hours. And this was every day of the seven days of the week. And people were surprised because he was an Ishpashat. He wasn't a great muscular, great scholar, a Talmud Chachim, a brilliant Mekubal or Chassid, profound Ovid Hashem. He was an Ishpashat. He was a, a simple person, a God-fearing simple person. So like, what is he thinking during Davin? They didn't understand. So somebody once asked him. So he said that 40 years ago, he heard a word from the Alter Rebbe. The Alter Rebbe said, he's speaking from L'chadoy and L'chadoydi, about L'chadoydi. We say L'chadoydi, 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 Zohar V'shamar, B'dibur Echad Nemru. Which literally means, the word Zohar is Yom HaShabbos, and Shamar is Yom HaShabbos. Remember Shabbos, guard Shabbos, which is the variation of the Ten Commandments in Parashat Sisra, Ten Commandments in Parashat B'dibur Echad Nemru, Hashem said it in one utterance. Says the Alter Rebbe, Zohar V'shamar B'dibur Echad. In Yedin Dibur, in Yedin Dibur, in Yedin Zach, and in every word, those to gedenken and hitten, them echad. Zacher v'shamer b'dibur echad. In every dibur, in every word that comes out of your mouth, and dibur is also from the word davar. In everything in life, you should remember and you should protect the echad of it. Zacher v'shamer b'dibur echad. In every dibur, in every davar. Every word that comes out of your mouth and everything in the world, you should remember and you should protect, you should safeguard the echad that's inside of it. The oneness in it and in you. And this chassid said, this is I heard from the Rebbe, from the Alter Rebbe, from the Balatanya 40 years ago. And this was enough. Umidem, the Rebbe said like this, Umidem atagedavent, ungedavent, Fertzik yar, zuntik, montik, dinstik, mitvach, donnerstik, freitik, shabbos. And with this, he davened for 40 years. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, shabbos. There's a word from the Rebbe Ayatz, the previous Labavitcher Rebbe, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak, he said, he passed away in 1950. He said, Amalek Echsidim, ham gemacht von ein word zwei, und von dem ich erhalben. Chassidim of yore could take one vart and multiply it into two. So from one they made two. And from the ich, from the ego, from and the ego they turned into a half an ego. <laughs> Meaning they humbled the ego. They took a vart and from one they made two. And from the ich, from the sense of egotism, and the I, and they cut it in half. The one vart they increased and multiplied into two. And the ego they cut into half. Because the truth is, it's all one word. You just have to get get it. You have to get the echad. 
You know, today we're used to drushes, with drushes, with langa drushes, with more and more and more and more. Somebody said that today people are reading more and more about less and less. But a Malik Chassidim, they didn't have to read more and more about less and less. Ein vart, one vart. All you need is the echad. <laughs> you need the one vart. But if you get the echad, it's enough. So goy echad ba'aretz means the nation that even in Eretz, they hold on to the echad. They never get rid of that echad. So we're searching for that echad. We're searching for the oneness. And if I can't find it, or I don't know that I'm searching for it, or I don't believe that I can find it, I must emancipate myself from that nagging pain of self-consciousness. Somebody once said, what's the definition of consciousness? It's the annoying time between naps. I'll go to sleep, but get me out of myself. And in that sense, we all suffer from addiction. The question is only to what extent, to what extent, and to what acuteness. Because every one of us, since we have, we're dressed with those kosnois oir, we are self-conscious. We have gasus aruach. But God says, I can't live with you in that space because I am oneness and you are oneness. So with a sense of arrogance and insecurity, we can't be together. But somebody who's more sensitive, even the slightest self-consciousness drives them crazy. And therefore they must run away to get distracted. They need validation. They need respect. They need honor from other people. They're trying to fill that void that was never filled. They need to feel good. They need to feel good. And the deeper the spirituality, the more I need and the more dramatic I get. And the more creative and powerful and crazy and mishuga and insane I get to fill that. Whatever it is, with a drug, with a drink, with this false relationship, whatever it is, and the drugs and the substances have to get higher and higher and higher, all because I need to silence my spiritual connection. So the choice the Alter Rebbe is saying is not to get rid of your spiritual connection. That is who you are. The choice is either you're going to recognize it and embrace it, or you'll keep on running away from it and never really satisfying what you're looking for. Because remember, that's the key. This Ava of Ein Saif is Malubash and Mechusa. It's inside all of your cravings, all of your physical cravings. If you go deeper, what you're looking for is not the physical thing. You're looking for the Ein Saif. The way your animal soul translates the infinite love is, I'm looking for this type of drug. I'm looking for this type of high. I'm looking for this type of distraction. That's how he translates it, because the animal soul comes from the skin of the of the of the of the snake, and it has to be educated. It has to be refined. It has to be aligned. That's your work. Your work is to teach your animal soul what it's really looking for, not to get distracted by the facade. What it's really looking for is the ultimate truth of itself and of the world and of yourself. Oneness. Because we're a chaisi, we're a brother and sister, we're supposed to be connected. I am divine, we are one, we are connected. And because I'm supposed to be connected, so therefore this is my real state, this is my natural existence, this is my innate organic being. But the chaisi could be completely covered up and the Alter Rebbe is saying, and when it's covered up, the only way you can access it is if you create openings. I have to open, I have to get rid of the blockages. All blockages. And again, the deeper I am, the more these blockages will drive me crazy. And even the smallest blockages will make me meshiga. And that's what the Lev Nishbar means. Lev Nishbar is the humility. It's creating cracks in my ego, cracks in my, in my, my false life. It opens up, it opens up channels so that the inner light that has been blocked should suddenly be able to emerge and fill my space, fill my consciousness until the point where the person could really live it and breathe it and experience it and in every word that comes out of your mouth and in everything that you're engaged in, you always find the echad. Let's take some questions. This finishes chapter one. Tomorrow morning we're going to continue with chapter two. I want to suggest, I'm going to take questions now, but I want to suggest that you should learn Perik Bey's, they call it in Yeshiva, Aleinum. Try to prepare it on your own. 
it's very, very deep, and much of it deals with agriculture, <laughs> the system of agriculture, how things grow, the synthesis between ear, light, and uh, the seed and the earth, and uh, what it means spiritually. So it's going to go over to a whole different subject. Okay, let me start with uh, let me start with the chats. First question: How come for some people that don't feel the love, it's expressed as haughtiness, and others it's expressed as low self-esteem? That's a beautiful question. Excellent question. It depends how low your self-esteem is. If your self-esteem is low, so then you feel a low self-esteem. If your self-esteem is really low, then it becomes expressed in arrogance and haughtiness. It's just a worse case of low self-esteem. In other words, my self-esteem is so bad that I can't even recognize that I have a low self-esteem. So I become arrogant and haughty. It also comes with a little extra stupidity. Um, but it's really at the core, at the core, it says in Tanya Peter Chavbez, that uh, the Gemara says in Saita that Gasas Haruach is, is like Avodah that arrogance is like idolatry. Why? Why? The answer is, what does arrogance really mean? Arrogance really means that I'm saying that I'm outside of Hashem. I'm separate. I'm not a channel for infinity. You know, the Gasas Haruach is the worst insult you can give yourself. <laughs> And that's Avodah Zarah. Avodah Zarah means you're saying there's something outside of Hashem. I. And it doesn't feel good either, because it's not true. It's, it's, it's a fake existence. It's the frog inflating itself. It's a fake existence. You don't exist outside of Hashem. The moment you can recognize that, you're free. And you're infinite. And you're really great. <laughs> you're really great. It's a whole different level. Somebody I see is sitting here and thinking, why didn't I learn this mimer 25 years ago? Right? <clears throat> Next question. Sometimes it's intergenerational trauma. Absolutely. Absolutely. Today, especially, there's a lot of research and studies being done on this, that the trauma that I carry is not even from myself. Could also be from me but it could be mamish intergenerational. And in epigenetics, they teach today that it affects the genes and it gets passed on. And that's why whatever we don't deal with, our children have to deal with. So it's so important to confront all these things because somebody's going to have to deal with it. Okay, next question. Are you saying that addiction is really a substitute for the yearning for Hashem? Is that real? Does that mean that somebody who is really connected will not develop addictions, let's say, to alcohol or to cigarettes? Maybe this is why 12-step programs for addicts could be replaced. That's why this 12-step program for addicts needs to have a very deep spiritual component. Yeah, it's exactly what we're saying. What we're saying is, what this Mimer is saying is, he says it clearly. He says that this Ahava is melubosh, it's closed up, and it's concealed. Yeah, what are his words? This Ahava didn't disappear. This achaisi that the tzaddik is experiences exists in you. It's just concealed. It's dressed up. It's eclipsed. By what? By all types of cravings. But if you go deeper into those cravings, those cravings are just cravings to things that will not satisfy you. Because what you're really looking for, you don't even know you're looking for. So you're running here, you're running there, you're running everywhere, but you keep on running away from yourself. That's exactly the point. Next question. The Mimer describes the possible person, but also describes the actual person. The way I understand it is there is who I am and there's who I could be. 
But the bottom line is that God created me the way I am. He's hidden, but he's not hidden entirely. If I seek him, maybe I can find him. But if I don't seek him, he remains invisible. Isn't that the story of atheists? God is the one who set this up. He is the one who made himself so difficult to obtain, even for the serious seeker. We all struggle with this, at least many of us. Our true potential self that you talk about is extremely hidden. Maybe it's findable and attainable, but it's very hidden. If you're a serious seeker and you utilize all your possible powers, like Abraham, who was the prototype seeker, perhaps you can find it. So it seems that to find God in the world and to find God in yourself It's not easy, and he did not make it easy, he didn't make it obvious. That's why it's so difficult to find. But it's very difficult. Is it even doable? Wow, that's, (laughs) I think that's so important to understand. What you're writing is very important to understand, because it's basically understanding that there is a concealment that there is something that I have to deal with. So I shouldn't get deterred and distracted and overwhelmed and saddened by the fact that there are struggles because that is all part of the plan. So you don't have to get upset. You don't have to run away. You don't have to, you don't have to dismiss yourself because of it. It doesn't mean you're a failure. That's why it's so important to understand this because If you start thinking that you're a failure and you're just not capable and you have no connection, then you're really undermining yourself and your purpose. It's realizing that all of the cover-ups are just there in order to reveal what they truly are looking for and what they're really about. And when you do it and you break it through, you break it through. It becomes obvious. (laughs) The moment the addict and every type of addict breaks through, it becomes obvious that this is the truth. Until we come to a deeper place, and that's what where history is is going now, where we realize that there's no real concealment. That every concealment is just there to make you aware, to to help you flex your muscles, to make you a little deeper, to make you realize what you have to work on and what your mission is. So the lavush could become something that blocks you, but really it's all there just to really help you strengthen yourself and figure out what your purpose is, what your mission is, what your work is, and what the unique contribution of your soul is. So on a deeper level, that's how we really have to look at it. Take more questions. Okay, take another question. We live in a complex maze. There's a way out, a way to find the answer. But it's not easy, it's a maze. I want to disagree with you a little bit. It could be a complex maze. But I think when you learn Lakuta Torah, you learn Chesidus, you learn Torah, you, you immerse yourself in it, it's not a maze anymore. It could be a complex maze, but that's our own doing. We have to realize it's not a maze, it's clear. It's a great, great question. I think... I think at least in many cases, or most cases, it's really a combination of uh, nature and nurture. And what I mean by that is, you're born with the capability of being a tzaddik, but you really have to put in so much work. It's not like, you know, you snap your finger, I'm a tzaddik. It says about Moshe Rabbeinu, when he was born, the home was filled with light. But he had to develop himself. You have to be a worked out person. So the tzaddik doesn't get, you know, a free pass that he has no yetzahara, no struggles. The tzaddik is born with maybe unique skills, unique potentials, unique spiritual potentials. But no question that if he or she doesn't put in the work and the discipline to maximize it, to actualize it, to develop it, to refine it, it may all remain dormant and latent. You know, and that's why we see that there were some great people who had the potential to be great tzaddikim, but they went to the other extreme. Because potential is not enough. I got to put in the work. 
Chazal say about Yeruvim ben Avot, that he was considered one of the greatest giants of the generation. All the Talmudic Chachamim relative to him were like the grass in the field. That's what the Gemara says in Sanhedrin, 103. Like the grass of the field, Yeruvim ben Avot. And then he became like the most, one of the most heinous sinners in the history of the Jewish people. And the Gemara says, what happened? And the answer is, was Gasa Saruach, his arrogance. His arrogance schlepped him into the abyss. So as it says in Tanya, we are, certain people are born with the potentiality to be tzaddikim. It's a special koyach, it's a special faculties that you're given. But they still must put in a lot of work. And of course, growing up in a certain type of home and with certain types of fathers and mothers and carrying certain genes uh, contributes a tremendous amount to that. Um, but it's not necessary always. Avram Avinu's father was no role model. <laughs> Yitzchak Avinu's father was a role model. But Avram Avinu's father was no role model. He was a self-made man. A self-made man. You know, Yaakov Avinu had a good role model. But not everybody has such role models. There was a great Hasidic master, Reb Uri of Strelisk, Reb Uri of Strelisk, and of the Saraf. And he once said, he once said, ah, he said, you would never imagine, Chevra, how much my Avaidus Hashem would have been easier if my father would have gone to the mikveh once in his life. Imagine that. It would have made my Avodah Hashem so much easier if my father would have gone to the mikveh once in his life. It's such a powerful idea. Like it says in Tanya chapter 2 from the Arizal, that the thoughts of parents during intimacy affects the garments of the soul of the child. The soul itself nobody can affect. Hashem decides what type of soul you have. But the garments of the soul, that's determined by the parents their own genetic makeup, their own physiological and spiritual makeup, the garments of the soul. And their thoughts during intimacy and generally affect it. So Rabbi Udi said, if my father would have gone to the mikveh once, it would have made my Vedas Hashem easier. But he didn't become a victim. He didn't say, okay, since my father didn't go to the mikveh, therefore, no, I have to reinvent myself. But he was expressing how powerful it is. But my father didn't go. Okay, it's not a free pass. Work it out. This is your mission. It's a beautiful story. <laughs> Very deep story. It tells us both things. It tells us on one hand how we impact our children, but it also tells us that a, a, a child at some point stops blaming their parents. You got to stop blaming your parents because of everything I'm dealing with is my father's fault and my mother's fault, at some point it's not their problem anymore. It's my problem. I'm the one who's paralyzed. So Reb Uri was saying, I have to take responsibility. My father didn't go to the mikveh. Yeah, it made it harder, but I now have to take responsibility. People who blame their parents for the rest of their lives, or blame their teachers, or blame this one or that one, you may be theoretically right. But now it's not your parents' problem anymore. Now it's your problem. Now you're the problem because you made their problem your problem. And as an adult, you can liberate yourself. You can take responsibility. But I should say that Tanya says that even somebody who wasn't born that way, through a lot of avoida, they can often reach that. In 1991, there was a and I remember the Lubavitcher Rebbe said that in the, during these times... After everything we have been through, all of the darkest times and all the challenges and struggles, he said, every Jew is capable of being a tzaddik. <laughs> every Jew. It's beautiful. Every Jew is capable of being a tzaddik. Okay, Chavre, Chazak. Uh, beautiful day. You're asking... Based on chapter 27 of Tanya, Hashem gets pleasure in the Jew triumphing through the struggle, so we shouldn't even desire to have the life of a tzaddik who doesn't have this battle. So we could fulfill the mitzvah. Or no, we should desire to have the life of a tzaddik. He says clearly in Tanya chapter 14, 
Mashbin, the Gemara says, Mashbin, I say to eat tzaddik, Valtirasha, a Jew has to try to be a tzaddik. It's just like you don't say, I'm gonna sin in order to be able to do tshuva. So you don't say, I wanna struggle to be able to, to be zoinim If you're struggling, you're struggling. If you sin, you have to do tshuva. But the ideal is, a Jew wants to be completely one on every level. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.